0: Hey, if you want to see the social media breakouts that we put on my Twitter feed and on The Ringer's Twitter feed of this podcast and the Rewatchables or some of the videos we've done for the last six years, we finally have a home for that. Bill Simmons' YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com slash Bill Simmons and subscribe. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car, is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? Little doubleheader, little NBA doubleheader. Right in first half of the first game, I don't know, West Coast time, that's usually about five o'clock, 5.30, perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today, learn more, and enter for your chance to win at michelobeultra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where we put up a new rewatchables on Monday night. We did Casino, Me Fantasy, Chris Ryan. We had a defective mic for Chris Ryan. We tried to fight through. We did a two-hour podcast you could hear him. The audio wasn't nearly as good for him as it was for the rest of us, but uh, we had a choice. We had some magic for that two hours. Do we want to just throw it away and try to recreate it, or, you know, basically have that podcast with the torn ACL? We chose the torn ACL. We went with the uh, the semi bad audio for Chris, but I, I think it's manageable. I think you can still listen to it. I, I still think it's a good podcast. So, what do you want from me? Casino, check it out. The uh, rewatchables. Uh, Also brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, where I'm doing same game NBA parlays and and parlays. Parlays and parlays on uh, Wednesday nights. Go to FanDuel Sportsbook tomorrow, and you'll see which game we picked. Actually, let's pick it right now. Why don't we do this live? Wednesday slate. Oh, a lot of juicy games. Bucks-Cavs. Kings-Hawks. Knicks-Heat. Mavs-Trailblazers. I think that's the one. Mavs Trailblazers. Maybe we'll go with that on Wednesday. FanDuel Sportsbook. Stay tuned. Coming up on this pod, it's action-packed. I have some thoughts on Joel Embiid at the top. He had 42 points tonight. Another monster, monster game. It's him and Jokic for MVP right now. It's a battle. Anyway, that's coming up. Big Waz talking about uh, the Brooklyn Lakers game and both of those teams. My friend Kevin Hench talking poppy, making the Hall of Fame. And then finally, Our guy, Charles Oakley, he's back four years ago. We did one of the great podcasts of all time. We're not gonna be able to recreate that. It's impossible to recreate. It's like recreating Boogie Nights, can't do it. But he's coming back because he has a book. So we're gonna talk to him about uh, current NBA stuff, The Last Dance, Pippin and MJ, all kinds of things. It's an action-packed podcast as always. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. (laughs) I always thought Akeem Olajuwon had the craziest career of any NBA superstar. Played soccer in Nigeria, picked up basketball as a teenager, had a growth spurt, somehow never lost his soccer footwork, came to the University of Houston, found a low post mentor by the name of Moses Malone. You might have heard of him. Figured out how to thrive in a new country. Got drafted by his hometown Rockets. Turned into an absolute killer. Won two titles. Went down as one of the 15 best players ever. And in my basketball book, I wrote the following. Add everything up, and here are your odds that we'll see another Hakeem Olajuwon. A kajillion, pillion, gazillion, frizillion, frigillion, million to one. Well, Joel Embiid's path to stardom, nearly as unlikely. Hakeem, Nigeria. Embiid, Cameroon. Hakeem, soccer. Embiid, volleyball. Like Hakeem, Embiid doesn't start messing around with basketball until age 15. Moves to Florida. Two years of prep school games lands for a year at the University of Kansas by the spring of 2014, with only four years of basketball under his belt, Embiid somehow is about to become the NBA's number one overall pick. And if you stop it right there, it's an absolutely crazy story, but it's not that crazy, right? Hakeem paved the way. Hakeem made the Joel Embiid story seem, I don't know, conceivable? Well, here's what became inconceivable. Everything that happened to Joel Embiid over the next eight years. How did someone reach their potential as a superstar while also giving us a career littered with what ifs and almost and holy shits and why did that have to happen? And how is almost none of this his fault? How did the NBA's most overpowering player become its most sympathetic figure? I like Joel Embiid. I root for Joel Embiid. I feel bad for Joel Embiid and I'm a Celtic fan. How did we get here? Go back to the spring of 2014. He's going to be the first pick in the draft. He's going to Cleveland. It's happening. We don't know that LeBron is going there yet. That's two months away. We don't know that LeBron, Kyrie, and Embiid might actually be a thing. So what happens? A week before the draft, Embiid suffers a stress fracture in his right foot. Uh Uh-oh. I was one of ESPN's studio guys for that draft. I said on the air, I still thought Embiid should have gone first. I thought he was a seven-foot Serge Ibaka. By the way, I was wrong. He grew. He became a seven-foot-two Serge Ibaka, but better. Anyway, Cleveland got scared. they take Wiggins. Milwaukee gets scared. they take Jabari Parker. Incredibly, the best guy in the draft falls to number three at Philadelphia. So what if Embiid never breaks his foot? Does Cleveland keep him? Would LeBron have wanted to give him a test drive as a rookie, or do they deal him right away to Minnesota for Kevin Love like they did with Wiggins? Here's my hot take. I don't even know if it's that hot. I think they keep Embiid. LeBron, basketball savant, works out with Embiid a couple times, spends some time with him, starts thinking, God damn, this guy's a monster. This might be another five titles for me. I just can't see LeBron signing off on trading Embiid. I can't. So instead of teaming up with one of the three greatest players who ever played basketball, Embiid instead becomes the poster boy of the process. And he doesn't play for two whole seasons. The foot, the knee, the back. Was this Greg Oden 2.0, were they being overly cautious? We didn't know. They finished 28 and 136 with Adam in those two seasons. They take Jaleel Okafor and Ben Simmons with two top three picks. They bastardize the sport. They trigger the NBA to eventually change its lottery rules. They cause NBA fans to morph into two camps, pro-process, anti-process. I was anti-process. Well, what's a weirder situation for young Joel Embiid? Nothing. Plays 31 games in his third year in 2017. Looks kind of awesome. Got some rookie of the year buzz. Philly starts getting some team of the future buzz. Somehow they end up with another top three pick and oh boy, they trade up for Markel Fultz. But still, we're wondering stuff. How, How good can Embiid be? Can he stay in the court? What did those 786 minutes mean? Was he teasing us? 2018 happens. Boom. Plays 63 games. Averages 23 and 11. Leads the Sixers to 52 wins. Remember that? Remember the Philly process party? The process has been vindicated. You guys laughed at us. Who's laughing now? Well, I'm still laughing at folks, but go ahead. They fumble away a winnable round two series to Boston, then reboot the following year with Jimmy Butler and a new GM. Big Jimmy Butler trade. Round two, Toronto. Seven games, a war. One Icon kind of Kawhi shot. So long, Philly. It's the closest Embiid ever comes to a title, at least so far. We don't know that yet. We just know that at that point, Embiid's morphed into a true franchise center. He averaged 27 and 13 in the regular season. Those are Shaq numbers. He's also the most likable young NBA star other than maybe honest. So this worked out great, right? Not really. That summer, Butler dumps Philly for Miami. We have the weird bubble season. Philly gets swept by Boston, coach change finally. Doc Rivers comes in, lots of hot takes. Did the process really work? Are we sure Simmons and Embiid can play together? Why isn't Embiid in better shape? Is a promising Sixers era destined to be a letdown? Well, last year, the East belongs to the Nets, and then all of a sudden it doesn't. Injuries, the great equalizer. Everything winds up nicely suddenly for either Joel Embiid or Giannis and Antetokounmpo. One of them will make the 2021 finals. It is happening. And it's Giannis. It's not Embiid. It's Giannis because Philly chokes in the Atlanta series. Simmons melts down to the point that after game seven, Doc won't even give him a void of confidence as a point guard. Oh, hell breaks loose. Simmons demands a trade. Philly says no. Simmons leaves. Clutch gets involved. They try to bully Philly into trading him the same way they bullied New Orleans with Anthony Davis. Doesn't work staring contest, nobody blinks. Preseason, nobody blinks. Season starts, no Simmons. Meanwhile, Embiid looks around and says, fuck it. Cranks out, another awesome season. These last two years, he's averaged 29 and 11 with 51, 38, 84 shooting splits. Shooting over 50%, almost 40% from three. His per 36 numbers put him with the likes of Kareem and Shaq and Moses, you might've heard of those guys. He's also a legitimately impactful defensive presence. He's an absolute bitch to defend at the end of games. He's one of the best eight guys in the league. And he's doing it without Simmons. He's Batman, only if Batman was trying to keep Gotham safe with Robin sulking in the Batcave. And if you add everything up, it's one of the dumbest situations for any NBA superstar in eons. Remember, Philly literally threw away four seasons, four so they could land a superstar. And guess what? They actually did. And somehow he doesn't have enough friggin' help, even though they had three other top three picks, even though they had about 278 first-round picks. What happened? Here's how crazy the Ben Simmons piece is. We haven't seen an NBA star throw an entire season of paychecks since Gus Williams, my guy, held out in Seattle in 1981. And that was an absolute travesty. That accomplished nothing other than probably keeping Gus out of the Hall of Fame. I'm still mad about it. Well, Simmons was supposed to earn $33 million this season. He's already set half of that money on fire. He's not getting paid. It's gone. He'll never get it back. And it's still unclear what he's trying to tell us. He doesn't want to play for the Sixers anymore because Rivers embarrassed him? He doesn't want to get booed by the fans? He lost his confidence as long as he's wearing a Philly uniform? I mean, what's going on here? If it's a mental health issue, then how does that work for the 29 other teams who might want to trade for him. If Sacramento deals for him tomorrow, his mental health suddenly becomes fine. So it's a conditional mental health issue just related to Philly. For someone making $33 million a year and climbing in a league with a salary cap, how does this work? Well, the 76ers did all the math and they still want Simmons to come back because they know when Simmons plays, they're one of the NBA's best defensive teams. They're one of the better rebounding teams. They're one of the better transition teams. They have size. They'd have an actual chance to win the title. And if you replace him with anyone other than one of the best 30 players, that is no longer the case. Well, nobody wants to trade a top 30 player for him. They're not getting Giannis, Steph, Luka, LeBron, Ja, Durant, Booker, Trey, Towns, Mitchell, Tatum, Harden, hold that thought, Butler, Davis, Bam, Jokic, DeRozan, Levine, Jalen, Beal. I just named 20 guys. They're not getting valuable vets on contenders like CP3, Middleton, Draymond, Drew, Gobert, Clay. That's up to 26. They're not getting valuable young stars from teams that like those young stars. Guys like Mobley, LaMelo, Garland, Cade, Giddy, Barnes, even Kaminga, Edwards, Wagner, Aiton, Jaron Jackson, Brandon Ingram. You're not getting those guys. Well, now we're up to 38 guys. Injured stars, Kawhi, Zion, Murray, Paul George, Porter, it don't make sense for either side for a variety of reasons. They're not trading for Kyrie. I sure hope not. That's 44 guys who don't make sense in a Ben Simmons trade. So would Philly completely overpay for an injured Dame? I mean, maybe. That's how grim this is. Trying to talk a semi-tanking Portland team into Simmons and Maxey and 100 first-round picks for a 32-year-old little guy with a fucked-up abdomen and that semi-tanking team is probably saying, no thanks, we're we're, we're good. Which brings us back to Embiid. In year eight of the weirdest career for any modern NBA superstar. Again, played 786 minutes total his first three seasons. And now he's as reliable for 32 minutes a game as anyone in the league. He's played with two All-Stars, one fled after a year, the other won't play at all. He played with three other top three picks, Simmons, Fultz, Okafor, None of them are on the 76ers right now. His best teammate right now is Curry, only it's the wrong one. Shout out to Seth. I love Seth, but I mean, the other one's Steph. He's had two coaches. One will never get hired again. The other has blown more playoff series and game sevens than anyone ever. That's true. His team's best trade asset can't really be traded unless there's some luck. We'll talk about that in a second. His team's second best trade asset is Tobias Harris, only he's too expensive to fetch anything. His best chance for the finals is the puncher's chance of Brooklyn imploding this spring then Harden bullying his way to Philly just to run from Kyrie. There's already a lot of rumors about this week. But even if that somehow happens, Embiid is still betting on Brooklyn, A, actually wanting Simmons in a trade based on what we've seen for the last nine months, and B, betting that Harden can bulldoze his way to Philly, and C... He's a 33 year old superstar who's been 20 pounds overweight for the last two years, and now this is your guy, sink or swim. If this doesn't work out, you're shot. Well, I ask you again, do you feel bad for Joel Embiid? Because I sure do. In 2018, the spring, there was an extended moment there in Game Five of the Boston Philly series when Embiid destroyed the Celtics for three solid minutes. I was there, couldn't stop him. Even worse, he knew. We couldn't stop him. He was looking at the fans, making faces, the whole thing. It's a helpless feeling when that happens. When you're enjoying a playoff game with 18,000 friends and suddenly the night turns into a horror movie. An unstoppable villain emerges. You can't fend him off. You can't do anything. Kareem, Andrew, Tony, Dominique, Vinnie Johnson, Isaiah, MJ, Kobe, Wade, LeBron. I've been in the building for a few of those. Tony was the hardest one. Game seven, 1982. Couldn't fucking stop him. Murdered us. Killed us. Had to trade for Dennis Johnson just to make up for what happened in 1982. LeBron was the bleakest. Game six, 2012, over by the second quarter. You always know when it's happening. And in that Philly game, way back when, 2018, you could feel it happening with Embiid just for a couple minutes there. And then he got tired and the moment was gone. Well, he's at a different level now. Better shape, more polished offensively, ready for the biggest stage possible. But it's not happening this season. Not unless this Ben Simmons situation miraculously resolves itself. Don't hold your breath. There's some urgency here too. Embiid is seven foot two, close to 300 pounds. Basketball, as we know, is an unforgiving sport for big guys. We know this. We know it from Yao, from Walton, Odin, Sampson, Sabonis, countless others. Giant human beings aren't really meant to run and jump on a basketball court for 3,000 minutes a year. The odds are against them, always. So how many more healthy Embiid seasons will we get? How many more years will Embiid be poised for greatness? Will the weirdest and most improbable career of any 21st century NBA superstar just keep getting weirder and more improbable? You can't even say it's part of the process anymore. Because this isn't a process. It's just weird. It's Joel Embiid, age 27, in his prime, with the odds working against him yet again. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I understand that some things you just want to keep private. Maybe it's something you don't want anyone to know, or maybe you think it's something minor, so why bother? But if you keep everything bottled up, if you let those emotions sit there and fester, it could be really, really bad from you. Sometimes it depends on what kind of family you're from. Like my dad's family is one of those. They bottle everything up, bottle everything up. And then they all just get mad at each other. Listen, talking things through is more helpful than you think. If you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend some therapy. Think about the things you can get out of therapy. First of all, a sounding board, you can learn better coping skills. You can learn how to set some boundaries. Maybe how to empower yourself a little better day-to-day. And if you want to give therapy a try, well, I have an answer. BetterHelp, a convenient and flexible way since entirely online right now. It's easy to get started too. You can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Bill Simmons today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Bill Simmons. All right, Big Waz is here. You can watch his Full Court Fits videos that we run on the socials. You can hear him on Ringer NBA Show on Wednesdays. And now, weekends with Waz, Sunday nights. It's happening. Yeah, it,
1: it is. It is. It's, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, the opportunity came up and it was like, yeah, let's make this a guest-centered thing. And And what I've basically done is, Called up some friends and just rolled out the balls. (laughs) Let him
0: play. (laughs) It's genius, Bill. We should also say I forced you to do it. It's like, we need you (laughs) on the weekends, (laughs) boss. I know you're a busy guy, but you're doing this. (laughs) No, it's been good. I'm glad you're doing it. Um, Uh, Let's talk Embiid quickly, because I just did in the previous segment a whole thing about um, his last eight years and how crazy it's been so many different ways. He had 42 tonight. It's him and Jokic right now, I think, as as our two MVP candidates. But um, I, I'm watching this going, A, I feel bad that he doesn't have more help. B, amazed that in this day and age, a center can still do stuff like this when you would just think, oh, they'll just double team I'll make making go at the ball. But he's just kind of figured it all out. It feels like he's gotten, in my imagination, it feels like he's gotten a little bit better each year for the last four. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I would agree and I just think the diversity of what he does on the offense is what's just crazy. Like obviously he always flashed some three-point ability, but he's shooting 38% this year on threes, which is absurd. For what yeah. he for, for what he's able to do inside already and then, you know, the diversity meaning like he can get his shot off the dribble now. Yeah. He does this off-the-dribble sort of mid-range pull-up that is just so soft and just Cash and he's shooting efficiently from every single quadrant on a court. Like, you know, people who are mid range, like assassins, people like KD and, you know, the Kyries of the world, they shoot in the 48 to 50 to 51 percentage, Joel and B's at like 50, excuse me, 47% from yeah. mid-range. So like offensively, there's nothing he can't do to people. He's doing the Euro step off the dribble. He's, you know, in, in sort of semi-transition where they give him the ball at half court and he's just attacking fools. It's kind of crazy the diversity by which he's able to come to these baskets and who could have if he would have just been a great back to the basket, bruise you up, have to send doubles when he gets it close to the basket, and he's this defensive player of the year quality defender, we'd be like, wow, what a great player. What a great guy to have on your team. But the fact that he's doing everything yeah. offensively now is, is is remarkable.
0: I like his little off-balance one-legged thing that he does. It's yep. such a unique shot. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's it's in a weird way, kind of a signature shot, even though, as you said, it's the Dirk. But the fact that a seven-foot... Seven two he seven-foot-two or seven-foot-three? Have we decided? Uh, he's that, at least seven-foot-two. Yeah, he's, he's guy, the, he's the biggest guy two. out
1: there every single game. Yeah, he, he really is. Much.
0: He's also, like, for uh, for the listeners, if you haven't seen him in person, there's a couple guys in the league that are just worth it in person, just from kind of a... a an awesome spectacle standpoint. I think Giannis is like that too. Watching Giannis run up and down the court. Yeah. Watching Embiid, a, a guy with his size move. Watching Jokic in person, how weird it is where you're like, man, that guy? And then he's you know, just torching everybody. Like, you know it a is a weird important. version
1: of that for me too, Bill? Fred Van Vliet. That somebody that small can get <laughs> right.
0: anything done on an NBA court. I'm yeah. like, wow, that's crazy. Well, you know, Muggsy Bogues used to be like that way back when, when you... When, You'd see him in person, and and Minute was the opposite of it. Both of them were so staggering when right. you were actually at the game versus on, on TV, it's one thing. It's like, right. oh, that guy's really tall. That guy's really short. But in person, watching like Muggsy Bogues take somebody full court, there's an NBA TV documentary that I've not watched about him. But um, with the Embiid thing, though, I am so curious to see if they handle this Simmons thing before the deadline or not. And that was a little bit of what I did the last segment. like. I do feel like when you have a guy like this who's this good, yeah, and who knows with the East, right? Guys are dropping left and right. Teams are going up and down. You just never know. You saw what happened last year with Milwaukee where, you know, all of a sudden you're in the finals. All of a sudden you have a chance to win. And whether they're able to either parlay the Simmons thing into something right now, which doesn't seem conceivable because it just doesn't seem like a trade. Now they're starting to float the heart and stuff. And I don't oh, know whether God. that's coming from clutch or that's coming for the Sixers, or both, or neither. (laughs) But that's been the last 24 hours where it's like, yep, James Harden's unhappy. And then everybody runs with it. We have no idea what's true, what's not true. But that's the internet these days. uh, Look,
1: you know, it's funny because I've been sort of making fun of Daryl and his declaration that this could take four years To get the Ben Simmons thing done, as if we can just like ignore what Joel Embiid is and what he does on the floor, and how precious it is to have a guy this special on your team, and how you need to maximize all of this time, right? Like, I just thought that was a ridiculous notion. However, you know, I spoke to some people around some of the guys on the team, and Joel's kind of like, "Yo, all right, let me go out and win MVP this year." Right. You know what I mean? Like, fuck it. All right, oh, it's like, it's a
0: one for me, not a one for us. I like exactly. it.
1: Exactly. <laughs> it's like, fuck it. Let me just go out and prove to people the level of player that I actually am. Like, I am up there with the KDs, with the Jokic's, with the Stephs. With LeBron's, of course, whoever you want to name, I'm one of those guys. I'm going to go out and prove it to you by winning an MVP. So there seems to be some of that coming out of Joel's situation where he's just like, no, I'm just going to kick everybody's ass up and down the court, drag this very limited team, to Tobias Harris, to the playoffs, and basically do it on my own. You know what I mean? But still, at the, at the same time, it, it would seem so tragic to use another Joel season... Where he's this obviously great and not maximize what's around him to try to accomplish something on the team side. Because, again, last year should be instructive for any team that's anywhere near close. Milwaukee, the Suns, shoot, even the Clippers in a different type of way. Like, anything can kind of happen in the playoffs. And you don't get these chances every single year where the dominoes fall in your favor. You can't be dicking around when you have a generational talent like this. You got to be in it to win it. Um, but you know, Tom will tell. We got till February tenth until this completely it's most two weeks exhausting- away. Now we're not that far
0: away. All of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. it's it's like fifteen days. But it's days. gonna be
1: an exhausting two weeks, though, Bill. You know, like the hardest thing today was just, you know, again, it's from a guy who's a Philly guy. Um, And I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the homie's name. Jake Fisher. Okay, yeah, Fisher was like, all right, it's a Philly guy. So I'm like, I don't know how plugged in he into this. He is to the Brooklyn side of things. But again, this is just the opening salvo, Bill. (laughs) We got a long way to go. It's going to get way crazier before the 10th.
0: I don't know. I don't know where NBA journalism stops and celebrity (laughs) journalism begins anymore. (laughs) It's no different than... Pete Davidson had another date with Kim Kardashian. And then it's like James Harden's unhappy. Whoa! Well, oh boy, he might opt out. Okay. My favorite part of
1: it was James Harden doesn't like Brooklyn, so he's gonna move to Philly. <laughs> it's
0: like what? <laughs> By the way, <laughs> do you think he actually lives in Brooklyn? I'm sure he lives in New York City, right? You think um, he lives in Brooklyn? I would be I find surprised. that hard to if believe.
1: I would be surprised. I could see. I, I'm of two minds. I could see him living in Tribeca, not Tribeca, in Dumbo where a lot of rich people live in Brooklyn and you get these crazy oh, like big spaces yeah. and all yeah. of that. Like, I can see him being in Dumbo, but I could also see him being in a place like Alpine, New Jersey, where you can get an actual house, a yard. Because, you know, in Houston, as rich as he is, he probably lived in a big mansion, like literally. So he might oh, yeah. be used to having a huge house. So he might have gone to Jersey, but I'm not sure. But- I don't think there's any reporting on the James Harden real estate beat.
0: Yeah, I... We obviously need more. I, I, I think we're all slacking. I know Darrell used to tell me this about Houston. He would say how the NBA players loved Houston because you mm-hmm. could get these giant houses. Mm-hmm. Just giant. Like, in lots of land. There's no taxes. There are all these benefits. I'm like, yeah, whatever. And then over and over again, he was getting guys to actually play for them. So... There's well, something there's,
1: to it. There's the housing market, and and you know I know we're not going to get into this. No, with James there's Harden. champagne
0: and campaign.
1: Uh, you, exactly, <laughs> the, the the social market in oh, Houston, yeah. specifically for NBA players, is very, very, very attractive. Um, but you know, we'll look. I could buy one thing. I could buy the idea that James Harden is angling to make sure that Brooklyn understands. Like, look, I got options. Y'all better give me this. 250 mil when the offseason's done, if you're serious yep. about your life. I have options. And two, eh, maybe I don't like playing with Kyrie that much. The whole Kyrie act is is wearing me thin. We came here to do something together and this guy's gone diva mode on everybody and he's too good for a vaccine. And it's, I could buy that. I could definitely buy that.
0: That's the only piece of this. Who knows? If half-truths, little druce, rumors, game of telephone. The only piece that I'm pretty convinced on would be that Harden's disappointed that Kyrie's not playing all the time. Because yeah. how could he not be? How Kyrie, not Kyrie's be? only playing certain road games. I still feel like, especially with KD out and with what's going on in the East, where the Nets are, you know, all of a sudden they could be in sixth place in like four days, that they're going to have to get ambitious, I think, with, with the Kyrie can't play. Like, just pay the fine. Because they mm. they have the argument to fall back on of well these visiting players can come in who aren't vaccinated it, 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 it and they can play sense. so why can't Kyrie play I feel like they're gonna play that card what do they care they'll take it, heat for a day and then nobody will care it, yeah it doesn't make like I, at a
1: certain point like I understood the arguments of like oh this sets a bad precedent everybody else is doing it blah 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 but like, at a, like and I think some of it is grounded in misguided like. Kyrie and Aaron Rodgers should be setting an example for the nation. And it's like, I mean, where are we as a country? Yeah, we need those two guys
0: to help us. That's
1: what I'm saying. Like, people (laughs) are so shocked that these guys have YouTube accounts and can go through YouTube rabbit holes just like your uncle or your cousin does. Like, we all have these peoples in our lives and we understand that. They do it. I I don't know that everybody else is completely like. Oh, well, hold we on, need to hold on. Those people.
0: I I don't have anyone like Kyrie in my life. I just want you to know that. <laughs> I have some weird people in my life, but not Kyrie. <laughs> well,
1: yeah, I don't have any flat earthers. But as far as like vaccine hesitancy and all of that, like I don't mm. know. I thought we got a little bit high horsey in NBA media about the vaccine hesitancy. Like yes, yeah, oh, oh oh, we
0: got high horsey in the NBA media.
2: <laughs> I can't believe it.
1: That never happens I I think at this point Like look If he's playing on the road And he's playing against All the same people And we're packing arenas With 20,000 people With like no real way Of saying if any of them Have actually gotten vaccinated Like what are we doing At a certain point Like just let the dude play Don't kill me vaccine Twitter
0: I'm with you (laughs) The thing with Harden So he can He's under contract he can't be sent to Philly just on his own accord. It would have to be a sign and trade with Simmons, mm-hmm. which is a very important thing to understand. Brooklyn would have to agree mm-hmm. to send him there, and be delighted to get Ben Simmons back, who hasn't played ben in nine soon. months, yeah. plus a bunch of picks that aren't going to really help Kevin Durant. The other thing he would have would be he Harden, if this is really true, and I I I don't think anything has and no minds have been made up. Put it that way. Yeah. But if he wanted to say, oh, I might go, I might go, here I go. There's not a lot of teams with cap space that would make sense. The only one really is San Antonio. Like, Orlando has no cap shot. space. No Houston's going to have some cap space. He's not going to go to those teams. Like, San Antonio, like, I, I, Popovich, like, maybe. But that is that really a threat if you're Joe Sy? No, I and- think... <sighs> I Come th- on, th- I th- I Joe think... Si's like, Joe Si's going to be there going, oh, you, you, you might go to San Antonio? Oh, right, oh I'm quaking right. in my boots.
1: Well, well, one, I don't know that San Antonio would ever offer that dude the kind of deal that it would take to bring him over. It doesn't seem like James Harden fits the San Antonio mold, if you know mm. what I mean. Um, but I do think James Harden would leave for money. Um, For a crappy situation, I do think he, he very much would like to maximize his earning potential. And I do think if even if the situation was bleak, if they paid him, I don't think James Harden would have any hesitancy because he's kind of shown that, like, what's most important to him are these like James Harden centric things like soaking up possessions, being an all star, being out and about a socialite. Making as much money as possible. Like part of the MVP drive, obviously every player wants to um win MVP, but he had a clause in his Adidas deal that he got way more money if he got an MVP, right? Like, and, and I think part of the reason why James Harden operates the way that he does, and we talked about this on weekends um on Sunday with Amin in that he doesn't take it as seriously as Steph and LeBron, who are guys, in fairness to James Harden, take it as seriously as anybody in the history of the world is taking sports seriously, Um, is that he's, made a lot of money like okay whatever i'm a 400 millionaire i don't like so what you guys don't consider me on the par with magic and lebron i've earned so much money so yeah, he's think,
0: three maxes right he's a and, three max guy i think so at this he
1: point. signs another 200 something million dollar contract i mean that that's in, with some team that doesn't have championship potential that's in line with the james harden we've known you know
0: well i can't see him leaving I can't see Brooklyn, I can't see him leaving for one of those weird cap space teams. So, we've learned like with stuff like Jimmy Butler in Miami, you can't rule out some trade. trade partner that you never yeah. saw coming. Like, whoa, where'd that team come from? You also can't rule out this piece, though, with the Nets and the Sixers. And that's the rumor du jour that it would be, you know, whatever. And I, I really... Do not believe it in my bones because I don't think Ben Simmons has nearly the same kind of trade value because he doesn't play basketball. <laughs> he's giving away a half a season of paychecks not to play. So I'm 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 not like jumping at the chance to get him. But here's the other piece. Joe Side, Nets owner, you know, not, I don't think he's a huge Daryl fan and a huge, you know, that I don't mm, think he's gonna be mm, going, oh, mm. cool, because Mm. I, you know, it's come out two years ago. Like he wouldn't let Daryl in into this arena for a Nets game. Like there's some oh, China animosity, the, the,
1: the residual, uh, oh free yeah, Taiwan stuff. Okay, yeah. So, <laughs> ah,
0: so. Crazy. Two years later, he's gonna be like, "Here's James Harden. Let me take your guy back who hasn't played for ten months." That sounds improbable. Call me crazy. Yeah, this th- that that is
1: an interesting. Little wrinkle. However, you know, you never know, right? Like, I wonder how much cachet somebody like Sean Marks has within the organization. Because the job of a GM is to convince your owner of your great ideas. All right. So so
0: I'm the owner. You convinced me that we're going to trade James Harden, who we gave up basically every asset we have for a guy who completely melted down and fell apart in the playoffs last year and then decided he didn't want to play basketball anymore. And that's going to be the centerpiece I get back. Explain that to me. I'm the owner.
1: Well, okay, but here's the thing: uh, you got to tell Brooklyn, look, it ain't Ben Simmons ain't gonna cut it for the sign and trade. You got to get me more stuff. Figure out more stuff, Philly, that you can give me to make this sign and trade worth my while. And I think they can't. They can probably coax Philly into getting more than just the dude who hasn't played in a year. And the last time we saw him, he was pulling a damn Houdini in the playoffs, right? Yeah. Um and by Houdini, I mean disappearing act y'all just for the <laughs> people No, but I'm just saying like I think if if you could if you could get more than Simmons because
2: well ben you Simmons have to You'd James have to Harden every- is
1: not a one for one. No, you need five first rounders and, and all kinds shit of stuff, yeah. Than that. So like if they send over a bunch of stuff with Ben Simmons, that would be great and another thing Bill man that I will say I want to see this happen cuz I think it would end in flame out it would just be completely horrible. <laughs> it wouldn't work. And James Harden, like you know, these Harden enemies, and
0: Embiid together.
1: I I just don't think it would work. I, I think it's I a weird.
0: I think it's a weird combination. I, I don't,
1: don't. I I think it sounds good on paper. I just don't.
0: Philly doesn't care because Daryl's strategy is always if I yeah, can get two of the best twelve the guys, I'm getting in, I'll figure out the rest. But and, I and see meanwhile, it. poor Kevin Durant, who's having a great time, who's right. the leading MVP candidate, and you know, had, had his handpicked friends. And then Kyrie, he's gone. KD gets hurt. Now there's these James Harden rumors and KD's looking at like OKC 2.0 all of a sudden. Like a Westbrook trade's in play now. Could he, oh, we, we might have the Stop. reunion. Stop. Where's Serge Ibaka? Get <laughs> Ennis <laughs> Freedom in there. Let's get the, the DN Waiters. Where is he? Let's get the band <laughs> back together. Let's talk. uh Let's talk. Let's do something that, I know personally, I hate doing, it, and I know you do too. We got to give the Lakers some credit, mm. S- specifically LeBron James. I'm not giving the Lakers basketball team credit, but LeBron destroyed the Nets tonight. And you know, I I've lost the capacity to understand what it means when somebody's in year 19 and he's played 61,000 mile uh, minutes, and um, nobody's done this at this age because we're watching Tom Brady like pull off 27 to three comebacks in football playoff games when he's 44 years old. So I don't even know what the age thing means anymore, but I am watching. I am enjoying watching him play basketball. I think his team is weird. It doesn't fit, but his weird hybrid of this power bully ball game that he has, combined with this goofy kind of step back. I don't even know what a three is, but he doesn't have the same lift anymore, but somehow everybody seems more afraid of him. Than at any point in his career since like mid mid Miami 2013 range, it has been impressive. I do feel like, you know, sometimes LeBron can check out. Right, we saw it last couple games 2014 Finals. We saw it last couple games 2010. Whether the moment gets too big or you could just see he's kind of like, I wouldn't mind getting out of this situation. 2018 Cleveland after the Jr. game, where you just see something shifts where it's like ah he's he could go either way on this one. I don't feel like he's been like that for the most part with the Lakers. What do you see? No, I think this
1: I think this this recent run, and I've said this on one of our other uh podcasts, is I think LeBron signaled to the greater NBA public, like, it ain't me. <laughs> okay. Whatever it is that looks bad on this team and yes. looks like it's not making sense and doesn't work and our record is putrid. It ain't LeBron James, I'll tell you that much. I think he's just proving to people, like, no, I'm still really fucking good, Um, and you get me in a playoff setting where I, I can dissect teams uh, possession by possession, I'm going to be pretty tough to beat. That's what it felt like watching to me, because, cause, you know, the last two seasons, he didn't have stretches like this, right? The Lakers were... And obviously, the Lakers were a much better team, but, you know, they were dominating people on defense. They could... I watched games where they would just turn it up in the third quarter, turn teams over three times in a row, get a bunch of leak outs, a couple threes, and just, you know, blow a team out and win comfortably. That's how they were winning games on defense. It it, it wasn't about what LeBron was doing on offense, but because this team is so hard, has been so terrible defensively, um, and they have literally needed every single bucket to inch out the little bit of wins that he's yeah. getting. He's doing it. He's doing it, and and he, you know, as he's gotten older in age, which is why he hasn't won MVPs, guys. I hate. We gotta stop saying LeBron can have ten MVPs. No, he can't because he doesn't play hard all season long. He's not right. doing what Joel Embiid is doing all year long. He does it in stretches, and then in another stretches, he's falling back. I think he just showed like we need my offense. I'm coming out and doing it. This Westbrook yeah. thing is a mess. LeBron is still
0: good. I enjoyed the Ramona Shelburne piece in the ESPN.com today where the headline was like, there is no plan B with Westbrook. We have to make this work. This is, by the way, what, what most smart basketball people were saying oh, in July when they yeah. made the trade. It's like, you guys realize if this doesn't work, there's no outs. There's it's no outs
1: with this. It's self-inflicted. It's not like somebody left your team for greeting pastures. Although AC did, but y'all could have afforded to retain AC. That was just straight up, we don't want to pay you type of situation. But, like, yep. you traded Kuz. You traded um Kenny. You traded all of these people away. You brought in Westwood. Let Caruso West. go. You let Caruso. Like, this is all self-inflicted. So, like, yeah, you, know, you can't <laughs> do anything about it.
0: You know what it reminds me? You've done the LA to Vegas drive, right?
1: No, I still have not I oh, still right. have not done that. Only we did hours. the LA to
0: Vegas drive the the smart move is to stay in the highway, but sometimes you can get an ambitious and be like, "Ah, oh, there's traffic. I'm going to mm. I'm going to try to cut through and go around." And this is the Westbrook trade where it's like, <laughs> "Ah, I'll cut through." You hit the point when you're trying to do the shortcut where you realize it's the worst idea you've ever had, but there's no going back. You can't go back to the highway. You've gone too far. And it's still going to take forever to go around and you've cost yourself an hour, an hour and a half. And at some point during that drive, you just hit this point of like sadness, regret, (laughs) and then I'm just going to have to make the best of this. I'm in the car for another hour and a half more. I did this to myself. That's the Westbrook trade. It's like we are now in these sadness, regret. (laughs) All right, let's just make the best out of this. Maybe maybe there's going to be a Dunkin' Donuts at the next stop. Maybe there'll be a McDonald's. Uh, oh, we'll get some gas. I'll buy some gum. That's where we're
1: at. Yeah, and superstars are shortcuts, right? Um, that like when when you get them right, like it's not about drafting Cam Johnson and you know, Mikhail Bridges and yeah, get lucking into this Chris Paul signing and and drafting Devin Booker and drafting DeAndre Ayton and getting Monty Williams in there, and like that's team building the hard way. The Aaron Neesmith,
0: Romeo Langford, <laughs> Peyton Pritchard. Same thing. (laughs) Time Lord.
1: Sure, yeah. Very, very similar. But that's (laughs) team building the hard way. Getting Just being like, all right, yeah, his six picks, his three of our young guys, give me AD. That's the shortcut, you know? And, and, And oftentimes it works, but oftentimes the shortcut ends up in Russell Westbrook and you end up in a ditch.
0: Well, that, what's going to happen, and they're laying the groundwork, and I think that Ramona piece was interesting because we know like Jeannie Buss is a big source for her. We know she's wired in. Hmm. And you float that piece. The big takeaway, because it was all stuff we already knew, but the big takeaway is they're going to eventually make Westbrook come off the bench, and he's yeah. going to be a six-man. That's where this ends. They know he can't be out there in crunch time. He has to be a six-man. Frank Vogel has said to them, I'm sure, um, hey, you're gonna fire me before I do the stuff that we need to actually try to win these games. And they'll just manage it. And if Westbrook gets bummed out and he pulls Ben Simmons and he's just like, I'm out, then they'll then guess what? They'll be like, Oh, okay, Russell. Well, it was good seeing you. you know, <laughs> and, that, and that'll be it. But this is gonna end with him be him becoming a bench guy. And playing 23 to 25 minutes a game. And that's how this is playing out. they laying all the breadcrumbs. Davis is now back. Didn't look very good tonight. But eventually this this ends with him as like the seventh man on the team. And there's yeah. that's it.
1: And, and, and I think all roads were leading this way because... He can't, like he's not in a position they don't have a team that can maximize what he's still able to do which to be honest at this point isn't all that much but like they don't have a team that can just spread people out completely the way it happened in Houston for that 6 week period where he was the most efficient of his life right Yeah. like they blew up the team their center was was <laughs> this center was Westbrook I wouldn't you can't yeah. even say it was Westbrook they went Covington. no centers It was it was Westbrook and he was able to thrive, right? Like this five out, spread him out, till attack the playoffs. a completely empty paint, right? Um, the Lakers don't have that kind of roster, so they can't even put him in the space that he's best to excel at. And the context of the Lakers, he don't fit. He well, don't you,
0: fit. You know what they the Lakers do have? Is a, a pretty oblivious and energetic play-by-play announcer.
2: <laughs>
0: I don't know his name, but when They'll be down 15, and LeBron will get a fast break. But the (laughs) (laughs) king—it's just—he's in it. He's like WWE. He's—he's gonna sell this Lakers team, come hell or high water. I've watched more of the Lakers than just about any other team this year because I can't stay in the Lakers, and I'm really enjoying this (laughs) crazy season. (laughs) But at the same time, I really respect LeBron. Like, I, yeah. I really think, like, he's gone all in. But meanwhile, this was all self-inflicted because we know he made the Westbrook trade. For, him for and sure. Kurt Rambis and these yeah, other guys. Part of they don't make like, that trade without him.
1: Yeah, you got to eat your vegetables, Bron. You you wanted this. Come on now. Yeah, You got to do this. I, I want to ask you, too, because this has been a thing on the internet as well as, like, The James Worthy post games on Spectrum when they
0: lose. Oh, I've been into those for like five years. (laughs) (laughs) It's the funniest thing ever. (laughs) He gets so upset. Nobody <laughs> loves the Lakers more than James. James
1: Worthy, dude. It's become a thing this year because, you know, I'm guessing he probably had some expectations for this team this year. It's like, oh, man, we got Westbrook finally brought him home to LA. And, you know, yeah. it's going to be great. Three all-stars, All Stars, Hall of Famers, Bellow, all it is. Dwight is going to be great. And, you know, it's oh, I didn't realize it.
0: that became a thing because oh, I that's feel like. Thing. It's I feel insane. like three, four, five years ago, he was doing that. And I would always hang around to watch how, <laughs> see how bummed out he was. <laughs> I hope nobody knows, right? Is James on social media? I hope that. I, I hope he stays as pure and as uh, bummed yeah, out. I don't as, think he is. Yeah. As he's always been. Um, all right, Waz. Pre- uh, before we go, prediction, any prediction for the trade deadline? Anything? Do we see a big one? I feel like this is the year we don't see a big one. Maybe, maybe I, a Sabonis goes somewhere and that's it. I don't think we see anything else. I I, I think Jerry and Grant, Jeremy Grant, I always get him and his brother confused. Jeremy, Jeremy Grant. Grant is
1: absolutely going to get moved. And I think it's going to be a big deal for whatever team gets him. Like, Yeah, but he goes, hey, he's
0: already said he doesn't want to be like a supporting guy. I mean, that's why he didn't stay in Denver. He wants to be like one of the guys. It's like, all right, Jeremy Grant.
1: I mean, that doesn't mean you won't get traded. Right. Yeah. So I, I think any team that would get him, whether it be an Atlanta, um, I know the Lakers are in on him, but they have absolutely nothing. If, a, yeah. if teams with actual stuff to give are in on him, they can't do it. But I think he would make a big deal for any contender that got him in their building. I heard the Warriors might be interested. I've heard a bunch of different type of stuff mm. about people interested in Grant, um. I do think ultimately the Simmons thing happens
0: um, just because of what we
1: talked I about I do too. This,
0: yeah, this feels like a lot of posturing, He's, but it's he, actually going to happen.
1: It's going to happen because Joel is playing so well and, and you have to give this guy a chance because, again, like what's so special about what Brooklyn is doing right now? All the injuries, all the yeah. unreliability of their stars – The playoff record of James Harden. What's so special about that? And no, ain't nobody scared of Milwaukee. I actually think they're going to win the championship this year if all their guys are
0: healthy. I think it's going to be Milwaukee Phoenix, my preseason pick. I'm feeling good about it. You know,
1: but, like, there's no reason to be like, oh, we can't possibly beat Milwaukee. There's no reason to feel that way. So you got to be in it, man. I I feel like the Simmons thing has to happen at the deadline.
0: I agree with you. I think the most important name weirdly if Simmons doesn't get moved it's going to be Eric Gordon because I do think he could really help a couple teams like as you know I, I've fallen in love with Cav- with the Cavs really early this season mm. but Eric Gordon that's my guy for them I think he would there. be absolutely huge for them alright Waz we'll hear you on the Ringer NBA show on Wednesday and then weekends with Waz glad you're doing it good to see you as always alright later Bill 5 o'clock, 5.30, perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at miclobultracom slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. All right, our guy David Ortiz made the Hall of Fame today. My friend Kevin Hench is here. He's been on this pod a few times. My craziest Boston fan friend. You might remember him uh, appearing in many of my columns in the 03, 04, Mid-2000s, when we were really insane. Now we're just like half insane about the now Red Now we're Sox. dads.
2: We're dads. Yes. Yeah. Then we were full-fledged <laughs> heroin addicts.
0: I did send a text to our Red Sox thread today saying um, that it, I wish the season wouldn't start on time because there's no way Jackie Bradley Jr. would be able to hit 130 in April. Otherwise, and somebody else was like, hey, you know, Ortiz is getting... Hall of Fame in two minutes. Like you're not yeah. you gotta get more Our focused. Day
2: of all days. Maybe don't bitch about something that hasn't <laughs> happened yet. <laughs> the ultimate universe where there's baseball.
0: Anyway, Ortiz made it. Predictable uh outrage in certain corners because Bonds and Clemens didn't make it and people think Ortiz cheated, even though it's one thing in the New York Times. We still to this day have no idea what substance he tested for in some bogus report that never got uh never really got represented, like, how did this come out? Why weren't more names out? And he's been tainted by it ever since. And I, I think it's bullshit, but I'm also a huge homer, as are you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you know, I, I've got thoughts on the whole generation. I and mean, if you're the best player of your generation and your generation did steroids, you guys should all be in the Hall of Fame. But let's talk about Big Poppy, who never failed an actual steroid test and who, True. you know, I don't think anybody can really understand for you know, for our generation, for your dad's generation, you know, like growing up and just having so much pain associated with the Red Sox and then kind of learning as you grew up that a a lot of that pain was actually like the Yawkees and like, we're, we're terrible. Like the, like the racial history of the city and the team and, you know, being a little kid and going, what, why that's how they treated that guy. And they wouldn't let that guy play for them. And, and so then to have this Dominican come in and transform not just the culture, but say like, yeah, we're going to win World Series now. I mean, it's just impossible to describe what that journey was like with that guy. And by the way, you and I side by side drunk in the 14th inning when he hit his first home run as a member of the Red Sox in the fifth, in a game. Oh, where in where An- had- Anaheim. Yeah, it, that was his first home run for the Red Sox in the 14th inning against uh, the Angels in Anaheim. A game where we all had to make a donation to an animal charity because of our behavior. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. We
0: we're in the Disney box and they, they weren't happy with our behavior. It was really there were a couple of bad actors. That, but look, uh, yeah. yeah,
2: I mean, anyway. it's a suite and there's free beer. Yeah. And there's a, a bunch and extra innings. Yeah. It's the fourteenth inning. We didn't throw furniture. We were just drunk and loud, and there were no Angels fans left, so it got blown out of proportion. Well, we
0: yeah, we were taunting the Angels fans because they were leaving. I have some regrets, but yeah, we were there for Teases first. He That's cha- first, and it's, he it's changed like, everything.
2: It, it, and then you know, I mean, obviously, as you know, I'm a big believer that Julian Edelman belongs in the Hall of Fame because I think what you do in the biggest moments matters more. Than the raw accumulation of numbers, you know, it's like A. Rod has six hundred and ninety-six career home runs. Should he be in the Hall of Fame? Of course, he's now on the Manny Ramirez trajectory. <laughs> his starting number doesn't look good. Yeah, uh, and 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 that's kind of ridiculous. But you you could say that A. Rod was not at his best when it mattered most. And when you look at what Poppy did in in the hugest moments, and I just want to go through a couple of them. Um, in two thousand thirteen. The Red Sox are one. No, no, no. The Red Sox are three for 51 with 30 strikeouts when he comes up against Benoit with the bases loaded against, against the Tigers.
0: The Tigers. We're, yeah.
2: we're about to go down two games to nil, two zip, to a team that has prime Scherzer and Verlander. I mean, like, we can't score a run. Like, we are dead. And, and he transforms that series with one clutch swing of the bat. Uh, and, and we win that world series in 2013 in 2004, by the, you know, by the way, I, that
0: was the cherry on the fucking David Ortiz hot for Sunday.
2: Oh my God. Cause he,
0: he was already like an iconic Red Sox player. And then 13, just, that was it. It was done. He yeah. was the most and, important and, Red Sox player ever.
2: And, and the, the crazy world series. And he finishes his world series for it's funny. You know, I grew up growing up. I was like, you just hear about Mickey Mantle in the World Series. And it's like, you knew Mickey Mantle had 18 home runs in the World Series. Like This right. is unbelievable. Mickey Mantle finished his career with a 9.07 OPS in the World Series. Poppy's OPS in the World Series is 13.72. <laughs> it's insane. Anyway, in two Well, 2000- wait,
0: go backwards, because 04, 4 Game 4 and Game 5, when our life changed, when I honestly think you, you, you probably would have had a heart attack by now. I look back. I think like, from health wise, I, I don't know if you make it if we don't get no, out of 04 even, like, alive.
2: even as a neutral watching what happened to the Bills on Sunday, I was like, "How did I live through some of my stuff?" <laughs> I, don't, I, I was, I, I didn't really have a dog in the fight on Sunday. I felt so bad for Bills fans, but so 2004. Obviously, there's a home run off Quantrill. There's the base hit off Loiza, but. You know, we're still in our PTSD in 2004. We're deep, deep, deep in Grady Little, Pedro Martinez PTSD. And then going back, Girardi,
0: Bucky Dent, so, and everything. Yeah.
2: You know, in Game Seven, I'm sure you remember it well. You, you've read 10,000 emails from me about Red Sox third base coaches, like literally all of their names. For in 2007, first inning, Johnny Damien gets thrown out at the plate uh, with with one out and Big Poppy coming to the plate. So it's like, you got a guy thrown out at the plate with one out and the greatest postseason hitter of all time in the on-deck circle. Oh, four, yeah, oh, four.
0: Yeah, oh, four, oh, four. Game game seven. seven.
2: Game seven. So now we look back at game seven as like a route like that we kind of laugh about with like, you know, like, wait a minute, who did Damon hit the grand slam off of? But at that point, to your point about my health, my physical health, I'm like, holy shit, this would be worse than getting swept. Like, if we get to game seven, Johnny Damon gets thrown out at home plate. Like, now I'm having and a And then the wheels breakdown. come off, yeah. By the way, that wasn't the only
0: nervous breakdown of that game because then Pedro, he brought Pedro in for reasons that remain unclear.
2: And and the fans start chanting, and it's like, wait a second. <laughs> what is happening? So, yeah. you know, I'm shitting. Damon's been thrown out at the plate. It looks like we might not score in the first inning. And then Poppy's like, Everybody relax. I'm going to hit a bomb. Like, what do you think's going to happen? I'm David Ortiz. Like, we don't even fully understand yet. Looking back, you're like, of course he hit a home run. Of course he just went up there and smoked a home run, and we were up two zip, and everything. And I just relaxed, like my body relaxed. So I mean, well,
0: wait, go back to the four, the game five, game four, game five, which have now blended into one game for me, and I don't even remember when the hits were, but he, at various points he has the homer off Quantrill. But he also has the homer against Flash Gordon. Was that four or five? I can't even. One of them were down two runs and he goes opposite field into the monster. He has the game-winning hits in both
2: games. It's going to be like one of our Patriots podcasts. where No, it's just that
0: I just think those two games have merged into one game in my head. But I know he had game-winning hits in, in both of them. And I was there watching them. And it was just he had so many hits over the course of four days. I
2: can't even keep track of them. I just, you know, there's just a great 20 minute poppy highlight reel, Mm. uh, half of which is huge clutch postseason hits. And you're watching it. Games you were at. Obviously, you watched all the games. You're like, oh, I forgot about that one. Well, there's the Angels
0: one that year. Yeah.
2: (laughs) I forgot we were dead to rights when he carried us on his back again that time. And then there's just was that point. Where Manny and Poppy just wouldn't make any outs for entire games.
0: Right. Well, they would have those stretches, the 07 playoffs when I felt like the Indians were probably better than us, and it was just those two guys together. They it was like watching two basketball players just get hot.
2: Yeah, they'd be they'd be ten for ten on base percent. You know, they just would never make an out. Um, it was amazing. I I've never liked baseball.
0: I I'll, I'll never like it as much since what we got what we had with Ortiz and Manny. Together, and, you know, Ortiz... Pedro, and Pedro. Well, and the Pedro thing, too, but the the Ortiz thing, that, and the reason it's such a big day for Red Sox fans is um he's the most important player we ever had. He changed the culture. He changed the way I think about baseball and sports and life. Um, He was like this big, gigantic teddy bear. He had amazing, just energy, day-to-day, week-to-week. There was that moment, what was that, in 08, 09? I remember I wrote a column about it where it just seemed like he was washed up. Seemed like it was over and it was so sad to watch him go out. He was hitting like 200 and then he rallied back in 2013, ended up being his last thing. But like, you know, they, when the people talk about the PDs and stuff with him, he looked exactly the same the entire time he was on the Red Sox. He looks the same now. It's not like they when you see the football players retire and they're 70 pounds lighter on TV the next year. He, he's just a a big fucking dude.
2: Yeah. He had a huge frame in, in Minnesota. And I don't know, I, I had never seen this before, but there's video of him in the minors beating a rod and Griffey who were already in the majors in a home run hitting contest in Mm. Appleton, Wisconsin. I don't know what this event was, but Mm. uh, there's video of it. So yeah, it was only the twins who were like, don't, don't hit homers, man. We got to hit gappers.
0: Well, you know the other thing that he did for us, and Pedro started it. But our entire lives, we never had anyone the Yankees were afraid of. Yankee fans, right? We always they always had the guys we were afraid of. Then the Pedro hit that two year window where the Yankee fans were like, "Jesus, we can't beat this guy." But we didn't have enough. Then Ortiz and Manny together, because Manny was another one who killed them. But Ortiz became this. He he flipped the rivalry, like they we. They were the hammer; we were the nail for eight decades. And he flipped it, and by the end of 2013, he was the guy who owned the Yankees, not vice versa. So, and
2: and, and we were never more the nail than in Game Three of the 2004 ALCS. Like, right? They were hitting the wall so hard. every Sheffield and A Rod. Like, it was such a bludgeoning. Uh, and, and and little did we know that a, a hero was about to rise, and and really just redefine Red Sox history. And I, it's funny you talk about the energy because I know some of the people who are bitching about it, you know, are like, people like Poppy. They like him. You know, they, he's a good guy. And I just don't believe that it's a coincidence that the best player on the Pirates and Giants for all those years didn't win a World Series who happens to be a fucking asshole. Like, he's a huge asshole. And yeah. he never, it, it does matter your leader, your best player, your most clutch player, ha- if he's a good guy that people like seeing when they get to work, it matters. It makes a difference. And so it's not its not like, uh, you know, Albert Bell was a bad guy and Mo Vaughn was a good quote, so he stole his MVP award, which he did. I really do think Poppy's energy infused the whole team with a winning attitude. Like, he's a winner. That guy's yeah. a winner. Like, your leader is a winner. And I always felt like with Bonds, you know, of course the most incredible baseball player, any of a, in our generation, anybody yeah. ever saw. He's number one like, for me. I, I just, you know, I, I was like, obviously it's a different sport. It's not like basketball players where you, you can actually make people around you better. Um, but I, you know, I got the feeling like it wasn't, wasn't great to see Barry when you got to work. That wasn't a, that wasn't a great part of your day.
0: I think that was a fair assessment. Look, I've been on the record since the mid-2000s about this. I think all these guys should be in. I think it's absolutely... I don't know why we have a baseball hall of fame. if we're not going to have Bonds and Clemens and A-Rod and Manny Ramirez, basically all of the iconic guys from the 2000s and the, and the 90s, and those guys just aren't going to be in the museum that's devoted to teaching people about baseball, then we fucked up. And whether you have to put it on their plaque or you have to put them in their own room, um, I don't know what you need to do, but it's a museum and you can't just pretend certain things didn't happen. Bonds is the best left fielder I ever saw in my life. He has to be in the Hall of Fame.
2: Well, the worst thing you could do would be to just vote for Jeff Kent. Just <laughs> voting for Jeff Kent would be the worst. The, it, nothing would... Who in did indicate- that show, Odyssey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing would indicate more that you need to have your badge revoked than saying, "Hey, man, the way I saw the game, Jeff Kent was the best player of the last 50 years. I, it's insane." The sanctimony from uh, you know uh, up on uh, Mount Pius, uh, as Sheck calls it, is it's nuts. And by the way, Papelbon uh, got a vote. You 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 you're. It's not. And I think what the Astros did is much worse, right? You know, it, you, you know what pitch is coming changes the game, uh, you still have to make contact if you're on steroids. Like, I mean, it's like, it, yes, it's giving you a, a percentage edge, but this idea, well, first of all, the pitcher might be on steroids too, but like, you know, Bonds got to a point where the advantage shifted to the hitter, obviously. Bonds just-
0: was basically like on the limitless drug. He was like the Brad, Cooper. <laughs> he was on the NHZ 48 or whatever Cooper was in that movie. Like it, like you look at his stats, and it, it actually seems they seem fake from those yeah. three years. They don't seem like real stats.
2: The six thirty seven OPS,
0: right? <laughs> Over two hundred
2: walks that one year, all that stuff. You just look at it, and you're like, "What is this?" Would you know? And I thought I was listening to MLB Network. And I thought you know, there are the guys like Bonds and Clemens, where you track their career, and you're like, they were gonna be Hall of Famers, and then they. Steroids was almost the the fuck you. Watch right. how good I could be. Yeah, but Sosa does feel like a guy that might not. Uh, he has, ne- he
0: needed the help. Needed yeah, yeah. Help, you know, well, um, and he, I mean, he actually it seemed like he like grew cheekbones. Like it, it seemed like <laughs> I don't know who took the most or who did, but whatever. But Sosa transformed. I think from when you see this stuff, where he was like this speed and power guy in the early yeah, 90s, yeah. right? In Texas. Steady. But at least, they didn't really even have the rules until 2004, 2005. They looked the other way. And FYI, if people think guys now in 2022 aren't bending the rules in certain ways too. Like, well, you probably believe in Santa Claus. No, you it's, know?
2: It's, uh, it, it is embarrassing. I mean, it's funny. I Poppy maybe I'll take your son since I don't have anyone who's interested in baseball in my family, but <laughs> you know, I haven't been to the hall since college and Poppy was like, that'd be a good reason to go back. You know, Poppy's plaque, but it is weird. Like you're like, well, what does it even mean if the best player and best pitcher? No, nah, is- It's been ruined. <laughs>
0: Here, Here's, here's my last question for you. Then we're going to go. This is very important. Okay. Cause my dad sent me his, Boston Mount Rushmore.
2: Oh, I, 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 yeah, okay.
0: Um, and he had Ortiz as the Red Sox player, which I did too. So basically we grew up our whole life. Ted Williams is the greatest hitter of all time. He's Mr. Red Sox. Ironically, uh, made one world series.
2: And we lost that World Series. He He uh, kind of symbolized the Red Sox. He went uh, five for 25, I believe, in that World Series.
0: Yeah, but it was like classic Red Sox. It's like, we've never won a World Series, but we had the best hitter ever. Now, maybe we didn't win the World Series with him, but he was the best hitter ever. I think Ortiz took the spot from him. And I I don't even think it's really debatable, but I do think some people are like, nope, Ted Williams, 406 in 1941. He's got to get the spot. To me, it has to be Ortiz.
2: You know, and even Ted Williams himself, to his infinite credit, you know, said like, this this Hall of Fame doesn't really mean anything if Josh Gibson and Satchel Paige aren't in it. So it's hard. You know, the, the steroid era is is less corrupted than stats from a pre-integrated baseball era, for sure. You know,
0: couldn't so, agree more. Yeah. Uh,
2: so and, and as somebody who who championships is always going to be my deciding factor. So, you know, my my Rushmore, um, it's funny. This is just a byproduct. Obviously, if I if I if I was 100 and 150 instead of in my 50s, I would probably have Bill Russell as my Celtic. But growing up with Larry, it's just hard to not have Larry. And yeah. then uh, you know Brady, obviously the goat of his sport, Bobby Orr, the goat of the pitch. greatest,
0: the greatest and, hockey player ever lived.
2: And you know, I mean, yeah, Big Poppy. Uh, it's just you had to watch it and like live it every day to understand how he took this cursed moribund dead culture and transform it into like you literally expected to win we literally went from how are we going to lose this game to what is this guy going to do to carry us to to right
0: take us home yeah the the those three the three spots are secure brady ortiz and or and then the russell bird thing feels generational i personally think they probably both have to be in for different reasons. For me, it's hard for me not to have Bird on there when it was like a religious experience in the 80s, but Russell won 11 titles in 13 years. Yeah. I, think, I think he <laughs> keeps the spot. He's the greatest team sport athlete of all time. But uh, yeah, all right. Great day for the Red Sox Nation. And uh, to all the Yankee fans who texted me today and gave me shit and called her a cheater, you can all fuck off.
2: Kevin Hedge, <laughs> great to see Bye. you. Thanks, buddy. <laughs>
0: Is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home can be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe, award-winning security that can help give you peace of mind you your way. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break-ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24/7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60-day money-back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with Fast Protect Monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. That is Simply Safe with two S, simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, our guy Charles Oakley is here. He came on in 2018. It was one of the most popular episodes we ever had on this podcast, told a bunch of stories the common refrain after was, why doesn't that guy write a book? He's got great stories. Well, you're actually, <laughs> you wrote a book. You did it. You did it with Frank yes. Asola. This happened. Yes. What made you, what made you finally succumb and write a book?
3: Well, uh, like you said, you know, playing in New York and always on the back page of one of the papers and people, you know, saying, oh, you know, speak his mind and, you know, just playing to the league against a lot of guys people don't know stuff about and growing up, my grandfather, I always said, believe in yourself. So, I feel it was the time, uh like I said, we had a great interview back in 2018, and everything was great on that, so it's, it's a great book so
0: on a scale of one to ten how how much how deep did you go versus the stuff like if you're a 10, the stories you right. have would you go like right. a seven for the book, six and a half, eight uh
3: when i was when I did your interview, I told you that was my C work. That was like seven. So this is about eight and a half, nine. So
0: I still got some left in the tank. <laughs> oh, good. You got enough for a sequel. Um, oh yes. I was just reading um Chris Herring's Nick book Nick's book about the 90s Knicks and all the characters on that. We didn't the last time you were on, we didn't I don't feel like we deep dove Anthony Mason enough and some of the characters on that team. Cause, you know, right. Mason, legendary character, he's no longer with us. But right. um he would test different people, you had multiple guys in that team who would test other people because you had him and you had you had the x man you you didn't test anyone you didn't need to be tested because you always knew you were gonna win <laughs> did Mason text you and if and test you and if he did what
3: happened uh yeah uh I mean Mason was a local kid from new york um uh, we came in there uh, you know he didn't get drafted to be you know Tennessee state but uh we had a couple of balls in practice uh you know Pat rider rules were it wasn't well no out of bounds. So one day was in practice and, I, you know, he went to the ball real casual. And I just came and just, you know, pushed him down and get the ball. My team went down quarter and scored. And Mace came always oh, oh, like that. I said, it's no out of bounds, Mace. What are you talking about? So we had of maybe that was on the running we really had. You know, we, we squared up. But he said, okay, all right. So he knew for now, the ball's out of bounds. It's still in play. So, right. so get the ball up, pick the ball up. So, yeah, no, me and Macy end up being the best of all friends. And like I said, you know, rest in peace. You know, his mom passed like six, eight months later after he passed. But uh, we lost a soldier. He was a good, he was a great guy. Is it true he didn't sleep? Um, I don't know. I didn't sleep that much. We we didn't believe in sleep. Uh, you know, <laughs> I know I, I'm not I'm not a big sleeper, so I don't. I mean, I know Macy like to have a good time, so. He got had to get a couple hours sleep because our practice was like you know, you know you couldn't just go like without no sleep you know an hour or two so I guess that really ain't a lot of sleep but uh hey he showed up every day to work that's all matter.
0: Do you feel because in the book they talk about this the the Chris Herring book about that the league definitely started changing the rules as the nineties went along and the Knicks were responsible for a lot of it if if they're not changing the rules because you came really close a couple times. In 92, right. you take the Bulls to right. a game seven. 90, 93, Charles Smith game. 94, you have two chances to win the title. 95, right. the Ewing finger roll. But the rules are shifting against you during that right. four-year run. If the rules don't shift against you, what happens?
3: I think we would have got back there and we could have won one. But the rules start ch- shifting, like you said, towards uh, a more leaning for the greater players on. The, f- the sexy players, like a Mike, a Kobe, or this and that. So when you see them guys get banged up on TV and, and the rating is going down and the commission students hit breaks and really dive into a, How can we get this lead back, you know, where you know should be at a global level? And they figured it out. They changed this rule, that rule. And they say, you know, Chicago won six out of eight and we went the other way.
0: I mean, nobody in the nineties there were there were a lot of altercations. Nobody actually got hurt, but you still had the shadow of the Kermit Washington, Rudy Tomjanovich thing, right. which happened well before you came to the league. But that was the one time somebody actually really got hurt during a fight. And I think they were always scared of that. In your right. era the guys are getting bigger and bigger. I mean, you were you were lifting weights and doing all that stuff when but right. in high school, college? When did you start lifting weights?
3: Uh, high school we really didn't have a lot of weights, but more in college. We didn't have a lot of weight, but I found out a way to, you know, get a workout in. Well, in my school, I worked out with more of the football player and the basketball player because all we had was the bench press and the leg press, and the football facility had more everything, kind of weight. So two days, I, had, I snuck into the cage with the, with the football players, and, and then they saw how strong I was. I was lifting just as much as some of them guys. So they were like, yeah. wow, once you, you play tight end, I was like, nah, I'm going to stick with basketball.
0: You could see the sizes like, you know, during when the pandemic started and the Jordan documentary was on and it was hard not to get caught up in watching those right. 90s games again. Everybody was doing it. And you could see the sizes of the players shift as that even as the Jordan documentary or everybody got bigger. Now it's like a combo of you have some some really, really big dudes. But then you also have kind of the old school, like the, the more athlete guys, and they have a better mix of that. What would your body look like right now? You look the same? or Because there's better equipment, better everything now. What would it look like?
3: Um, I mean, they had equipment back then. Uh, that's why we was looking what we were looking. So, uh, I think now, they, they're into more like bands and uh, doing a lot of yoga, robin, stuff like that. Uh, more of like a slim. Most of the guys... All of them is slim and not really too much tone muscles. So it's, a, it's definitely a shift. And I think that uh, it's more of a finesse game now. More of a, yeah. a stretch. A my um, position now is a stretch four. It's a stretch five, you know. So uh, it's definitely changed, I guess, for the global league. So now, if you look around NBA now, 30% of the guys is European. back in my area, probably 5% if that. You're right.
0: You would you would have been messing with all thirty percent of those guys, I think. I guess. <laughs> Jokic though. Well, yeah. Jokic is your kind of guy. He's yeah. he's actually tough. He doesn't mess around.
3: I don't know how tough he is. But he ain't playing against <laughs> somebody. I mean he awkward. I I don't know how he'd do it, but every year his name is in the MP MVP race, but yeah. he gets his twenty-seven, ten, and seven. It's amazing. And you look at his body.
0: Yeah, and he he really has gotten better every year. I think if you're playing now, I think you're probably like seven, eight pounds. Lighter. Not not thinner, but lighter. And I think you're, but you're still as strong because I think there's better ways to keep those strength. Well, I think now is,
3: I mean, it'll be, it'll be good. You know, somebody asked me that question all the time. Like, what you play in this era? I say it'd be more easy. It's a lot more rebounds. And guys do not go for like, you'll get a lot of second shots now, unless it's long three point shots. Most guys just, when they shoot, they
0: run back. They don't crash the portal that much. Well, you would have extended your range too. You just would have the eighteen footer would have been a twenty-three footer, and it would have been worth three points instead of two. I, I think you could have pretty easily done that.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, my thing was I played my role, and that's what you see in this game. Ain't too many guys got roles unless you got demanding uh, player like a LeBron and Chris Paul or some of your veterans who veterans now who understand the game. I think yeah. that's what happened with a lot of teams now. You see everybody just shooting the ball with no time in possession don't understand. It's not, you don't see too much IQ like you used to see.
0: Your position's basically gone. Yeah, There's not a, not a lot yeah. of power forwards left, but I don't know if no. it's because the power forwards that came into the league, they just are used to playing 25 feet from the basket, so they don't know how to play near the basket anymore, or whether whether the, that's just the way the sport changed. But it's probably a combo of both. But I, I still feel like if you were in the league right now, you would have figured out how to get 12 rebounds a game and you know uh, I, I, I don't I don't think you would have been 25 feet from the basket I guess is my point no I mean no because you see most
3: teams trying to play the spread offense and yeah. they want uh, like a pick and roll and a penetrate off the dribble um, so next guy roll back up you know up the pick shoot a three it's just totally different I mean some nights some threes go but eight of the, seven percent of the time they don't go and that's, they still keep shooting them
0: it's I don't I don't like it as much. That's why I was so excited that teams are doing weirder stuff to share. Like the Cavs are like this old school school team with size. It's fun. They have a center and a power forward and even marketing's got some size and they're just like, Hey, we're, but they can do it because mobile is such a good defensive player, which, you know, back in the, especially the first part of your career, your defense allowed teams to go against bigger, smaller teams. But Moba is like the, Best modern version, I think, of that.
3: Oh yeah. He's he, hey, the Cavs is put, they put it together in, in two years. Basically. Yeah. Right. You know, they drafted them two small guards, then i to get mobile. They got the trade for Allen. They get the kid from Chicago and free agent. Yeah. I mean, Love went to the bench, a veteran coming in, mature. So that's hey, they 10 games over 500. No one never expect, they probably expect them to win, what, maybe 30 games this year, 32. They already had 29. You have a
0: soft spot for the Cavs. That's just in general. That, yeah, four well, years know, ago, LeBron, where you were talking LeBron about it.
3: came back, you know, and showed a lot of love winning the championship. The city needed that. They needed that something to really wake up in the morning they drink their coffee, a conversation. The Indians lost to the Cubs. They was a 3-1. And the yeah. Browns just can't get it right. They got all the talent, just can't get it right. And let Cincinnati pass them up in one year. Well, they... <laughs>
0: Two number one quarterbacks, right, and and Cincinnati got well, the good one. And Cleveland well, Cleveland got the right, one who might yeah. not be good. That's yeah. how it works, fifty fifty. Um, you don't think there's any chance LeBron comes back to Cleveland, right?
3: Ah, uh, wow. Who knows? I mean, they they put something together. You never know. I mean, he can come back another home deal.
0: He I keep waiting for him to time. tweet something out, like, "Man, it's so great what they're building in Cleveland," and everybody's gonna go, "Oh, oh my God!" Does this Only mean he thing- might come back?
3: I don't think Cleveland I don't think they got enough um three points. LeBron liked the space on the floor. It's called up in Cleveland. So he'll have to be a guy on the wing shooting a lot of threes when he came into Cleveland. Right. Unless well, they're he's, gonna break up the nuclear what they got now, they got something going on good. I don't think they would. He's got
0: next year he's a free after next year he's a free agent with the Lakers and he's in this just bizarre Lakers situation now where yeah. oh, they yeah. go all in on Westbrook and the team doesn't fit. Have you played on a team like that where it's just pretty clear early on the pieces don't fit. Um, I can't really say, but my,
3: my thing is, I know one other thing is what's going on. LeBron's going through what Jordan went through his first five years, six years in the league. Average 30, and 30, eight and eight is still losing. And then you yeah. got, you know, until Scottie game, they got an extra piece. So the Lakers, AD out Westbrook, you know, still trying to find himself. Um, uh, <laughs> they says you know, he was flying Southwest and the Southwest sent his back to Spears Spirits, the Trans Am now. He, he's just lost out there. I don't understand, yeah. but I guess it's the offense. I mean, he just he like to go up and down. L.A. 1-1 sometimes, but walk ball up sometimes. So, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think with Westbrook, the thing that was so fun to watch with him, but, and it was also for better and worse, like, for the team. Sometimes it would go badly, sometimes it would go well, but he was just always attacking, right? Always and that down. was just like balls to the wall the whole time. And now with this Lakers team, you, he, he's cautiously dribbling it up and handing it off to LeBron. And I just don't think he's meant to play that way. I don't even no. know if he's a winning player at this point in his career. Like, could, you, make, could you win three playoff rounds with him at this point? Probably not, but
3: yeah. whatever this I, version
0: is doesn't work.
3: I mean, he might have to do what Kevin Love did. Come off the bench. I know it'd be a hard pill to swallow. In his, in his mind, his game plan, I don't think he can do it. And the Lakers, just, I don't know, they might either be stuck with him and have to trade him to someone that somebody would need a superstar that needs fans, bring fans to the game, like a Sacramento or the Pacers. I mean, you got to give up a lot. You know, his contract is big. And yeah. if they can trade him, they're not going to get the value for the contract they trade him. So They can't Lakers. trade him. Nobody wants him. T- yeah, he well, made like
0: 47 million bucks.
3: Yeah, well, Cam so, Newton came back. Nobody wanted he, him. So, he, right, it's true. <laughs>
0: um, you played, Ewing was past, a little past his prime near the end, your last year in the Knicks, but he was still good. He was still like, yeah. you know, a top 25 guy. It wasn't like really till the late 90s when he dipped. And then you saw your guy, Jordan, when he went to the Wizards, yeah. he was at a different phase of his career, right? And like when, a superstar hits that point where they're not a superstar anymore. Sometimes they're the last guy to realize it. So maybe that's what's happening with Westbrook.
3: Uh I mean, out of the three, we talking about Patrick, you and Michael Jordan and uh Westbrook. But see, the the, the different the different all uh, three of them, Michael Jordan had six reigns. Right. Michael Jordan could still sell tickets. He, he was still a fan of play with in Washington. Yeah. I don't think when Patrick went to Seattle, Westbrook, you know, they're not a fan of favorite no more. You know, Patrick career when he left New York, that was his that was his house. So he went to another block. He didn't know nobody. So Seattle wasn't a big thing for Patrick for like fans coming out. Michael Jordan brought him out no matter where he was with. Right. That's the big difference.
0: Yeah, and Ewing's knees were gone. Westbrook physically doesn't seem that bad. Like he he seems kinda Westbrook. It's just he's like this piece that doesn't fit in for whatever reason. He still got
3: all his abilities, seem like, but seem like he, he losing his metallic under, uh, understand of basketball. That's the uh, physically he there. You know, you see the dunk on the night of Rudy there. He just came out in the middle, and just dunked it. But yeah, high these ups and downs. They you know, so I, I don't know. The Lakers got their hands full. Um, they they beating the bad. They they losing to the good team, beat every other bad team. So they right. five hundred. If they just, AD come back and just bring him more like he did in the bubble, I think they can make a push, but they got to get a, they gotta they need like a six or seven game winning streak. And they haven't had more, what, three all year, I think. I think
0: AD needs to spend a couple weeks at Oakley's house.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think he needs to go well, to Oakley school and get a little toughened up.
3: Six years ago, I was in Chicago. He was at a birthday party. His financial that had a party. I was there and I said, I said, AD, why are you shooting three? That's not your game. I said, you the your best mid-range, like a Karl Malone or, uh, you know, Glenn Robinson. Just kill him with the mid-range. They got a double team. That means somebody yeah. else on the team, oh. But then I hear the vocal, the coach said, we want AD to shoot six threes. I said, oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: that killed that. <laughs> Who's your favorite player to watch now, 2022?
3: Uh, Who's your I number don't. one? Who's your number one? Um, I mean, on the East, probably uh probably I like uh, Embiid but he just if he went in the post and the Phillies shouldn't they can win just about 80% of the game but he wanted to shoot threes but uh, he playing well this year he playing well I know uh, Simmons not playing you know and LeBron and Curry out west you know Curry he started off but he's slowing down a little now LeBron picking it up yeah
0: what would you what would you uh, what would you tell Ben Simmons
3: then they gave you one hundred eighty million dollars. You couldn't shoot. Go play basketball, man. It's it's a basketball. It, it ain't it ain't about you. They paid you. Go play. You hold. My thing is, you hold your team horses right now because yeah. they believe in you. Now you want to sit out because you can't handle, handle criticism. You're in the wrong play, Philadelphia. He he he'll never play in Philly again. No fans gonna kill him up there. And Phil we, is the worst fan, but you try a player trying to fight against what's going on as a team,
0: nah. He gotta go. So His you, value is down. Would you trade for him if you were another team? Like at, at this point, when you have somebody who that literally walks away from half of a thirty three million dollar paycheck, at that point I the question has to be, does this person wanna play basketball?
3: So my thing will trade him to Detroit and and Detroit, trade two guys for Westbrook, and then Detroit have two guys that you know they bring some fans out. Westbrook still still got an engine, and Simmons still can you know he's probably can still play, but not a, not as a structure as teams want him to play because he won't shoot a jump shot, not really a great free throw shooter. But they say he got he played great defense. But I didn't see it last year when they played Atlanta in the playoff. Atlanta beat him. He was playing then.
0: Yeah, and he looked... I, I'm with you, like, he's 25. The way to get better at basketball is to actually play basketball.
2: And hey, he, yeah, he needs to go to he a team was, like
0: Detroit. So you're thinking a crappy team that he could go, he could make his mistakes, right. get his feet under him, the whole thing versus, like, the yeah. huge spotlight of Philly. Yeah, I think I agree. But I don't think that's how it's going to play out. No, but
3: they, they want a lot for him. But you, you, I don't think you can get uh, maybe... Uh, late first round for him, and maybe a second in a pit and a play up, The value is, I mean, I don't. But know the what problem Philly is, think. if you're
0: Philly though, you have Embiid in his prime. You need to get something back that will help you win the title with Embiid. So you can't like trade him for future assets. So you need a guy who's good now, and nobody wants yeah. to give up a guy who's good now for a guy who's not playing. So it's like it's like this game of chicken that nobody's gonna win.
3: I mean, I know he hurt in Cleveland, but I don't know this year what Philly's expect. I would trade you know it'd be too many footers in Cleveland. I would trade Simmons for sexton
0: to Cleveland They need
3: a, comp, oh, that'd they be need interesting.
0: a Sexton's yeah. out for the year though,
3: yeah, I know, but Bill Simmons is too <laughs> <laughs> What would you tell Kyrie? I like Kyrie, I wouldn't say nothing I mean the lead the league when he play a role, they leave marking him when he play at home, they don't so. It's a New York situation because, you know, he ain't vaccinated. But you can come out, out of town, can come and play. I mean, I believe in Kyrie A. Bill Wall Bill, uh, Bill did it for the Clippers back in the day. He only played home game. He didn't travel. It wasn't a yeah. big deal. At least it's a pandemic. You know, so I mean, hey, these players got a lot of power in them. And I think that that's what's hurting the league a little because they, they can voice their opinion and I know it's about money, so they're getting away with a lot. Hmm.
0: How how are you in the Knicks these days? Because your, um, your guy World Wide West is there now.
3: Is it better? Yeah, he, no, he's sitting by his best friend, that guy who owned the team. So uh, We're still in litigation right now, so we'll see what happens. Um, I wish him all the luck, the team. Um, they going through it, too, because um, Randall's Randall not playing good as this year when he played last year. And, you know, I know they went to Cleveland played pretty well last night, but let's like, Cleveland was missing two starters and they still beat him. So I don't know. Um, I think last year in the play against Atlanta would hurt them when they, they had the number four seed. Atlanta came and beat them, you know, four out of five. Yeah. And that was like, okay, take a look at your team. You're not as good as you think you are because so, so there's no way. And look how Atlanta playing this year. they five games under 500.
0: They need, that's a team that needs Oakley. That team Atlanta. seems soft to me, yeah. yeah. That, that's too much three-point shooting and softness on that team.
3: That, that's the, that's the lead. And a little, they want them to shoot threes. <laughs> but I think Atlanta, they, they they warming up a little. I think they want like four out of five. Trey Young, and he's, it, I mean, sometimes you try to get guys involved, and you see now that uh, ain't no more time to waste. Let
0: me just do my thing. Go and mm-hmm. get your 35 and 10, and let them play off for of him now. Well, the good news is at least they fixed some of the garbage offense, like the lurching into people for fouls and some of the dumb stuff. Basically, like rewarding scores for right being theatrical, trying to create contact. But now now it seems more like basketball this year.
3: Well, that's what hurting James Harden this year. He's not getting the, them flops. You yeah. know, they're not bailing them out. And plus, most of the time when you come from the West, the East, it's, it's a little more defensive deep, deep of mine in the East than West. So now it's his second year. He still haven't found themselves because it's it's a little tougher, a little wear and tear is a little tougher. These.
0: Um, so the next thing isn't not it's not getting solved anytime soon. Uh, I
3: don't know. Uh, we still, like I said, we still in the courthouse, house, uh, still working things out. I mm-hmm. wish it would never. I wish it would never a problem like this because I love uh, the fans, too. I love the city. I just wish it wouldn't happen. This would never happen. So we have to wait and see how it play out.
0: This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank. Unlike this podcast, some things in life should be boring, like banking, because boring is pragmatic and responsible, level-headed, wise, all the things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be exciting. Exciting is for three-point buzzer beaters, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money, because when your money is doing what you need it to, you can do all the unboring things you want to do with it. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring, Since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is the service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Inc., PNC Bank, National Association. Member, FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Nissan. Get ready to level up your adventures with the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder, built to navigate you to some of Earth's most awe inspiring spots. With seven drive modes, with all the power you need, get the thrill of the drive in every moment of your journey with the 2024 nissan pathfinder learn more at nissanusa.com i haven't talked to you since the last dance came out with jordan yeah and you were a character and you weren't in it as much as i wanted you to be in it but you were in it um and it they dropped that during the pandemic and you have basically everybody under 30 who wasn't there for the jordan thing and they watch it and then it's like, Oh my God, he was so good. He's <laughs> oh, he really was the goat and it becomes this Michael Jordan love fast for four or five weeks. What was it like for you watching all of that happen? Well, it was
3: great. You know, they pushed it up. It was sort of come out later. They seen that, you know, people's at home, nothing to do, they need some contests and ESPN and uh I think Netflix really did a good job for us pushing it up and you know, it was it's a lot of stuff in there it hurt a lot of people feeling that hurt. Um, I think that uh, you know, it's it's showing me that, you know, people think on teams everything is all good, a brotherhood, but it's pulled a lot of people apart. And the reason why I went on a lot because Dennis Rodney got a ring and they wanted more crazy stuff. I'm not crazy. Dennis had a lot of crazy, you know, all the stuff he was doing, but uh it was it was good. I know. Every Monday after it went off, I always called Mike and talked to him about it. And he said, "So Mike, you got a lot of guys mad." So okay, uh, um, they shouldn't have did it. I said, "Yeah, you're right." But who going? <laughs> I am like, "Who going to try you down?" Right. So, so Mike had fun with the people. You know, if you look at the Last Dance and look at the Hall of Fame speech, he gonna do one more thing. You know, it says it's gotta be three things. He's gonna do one more thing. Like I said, I'm gonna do another, you know, my the podcast but do this book, another book. So I told somebody this yesterday when I was doing something. Every great player had to do something every ten or twenty years that people never expected you to do.
0: Well, so what would be next for Jordan? He did the documentary, he bought the Hornets, so there's one more act.
3: He he got a race guard team. He go, He's going to do one more big, you know, he's be 60 this year. So he's going to, you know, he'll do one more thing before he gets 70. The third thing could have been when he did uh, the forward in my book. So you never know. He did the forward for your book? Yeah. I gave him $10. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. he owed you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was, uh, you know, he said he got a life insurance policy. So that's it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: When you're watching that, are you thinking about the what ifs about if you're just there, if they don't take the Bill no Cartwright <laughs> trade? Like, how, could the, how many titles could they have won if they just had you? Did they need Cartwright to win those? Are you going down that path in your head again?
3: Uh, I try not to think about that because I had no control of the trade because uh, I got traded. um when I made that trade, they made that trade. I didn't say I'm going to a better place. I'm in New York. It's a big city. They, they name it twice. But once I got there, I didn't see that from Michael to Patrick, I didn't see that, that it fact. You know, like gee, there's some guys. Yeah. Pat Patrick was missing that it fact. He was a good guy, but he didn't have the it fact. To be yeah. to win rings and to win a championship, you go through, you know, the Ladberg, Magic Johnson, Mike, Kobe, LeBron, and, and like even on Key Delight one, them guys had the it fact. Patrick didn't have the it fact. I don't know if the, you know, he was a center, but he played well, he got 20 and something. But Akeem was the, you know, he had, it fact, his playoffs on his team. Everybody talk about Akeem, like, around the league. They didn't talk about Patrick around the league like that. Like a LeBron, a Kobe, a Mike, Burt, you know.
0: Well, so that's a really interesting, like, what you just laid out. Because I, I agree with that Ewing never totally got there. He he was really close. He was the level right below. I feel like Barkley got there that first year in the Suns. It's just he went against Jordan, who's the best player right. of all time, who's playing the best he's ever played. So now you would look at it and go, well, Barkley never got there because he never won the title. But I actually feel like he went toe-to-toe with Jordan that season, and Jordan's just the best ever,
2: you know?
3: Well, I, I give Barkley a little more credit than Patrick because he can do more. Yeah, All the guys we talk about can put the, you know, he was just a little, you know... You know, you know, we don't see eye to eye, but, you know, I give him. Like he, he was – because he can get the rebound, bring it up and down. See, Patrick, he can get the rebound. You got to walk up and give it to him. See, Barkley yeah. was more of a – he can play the passing lane. He was ex- he was a more excited player than Patrick. And you think about the players, like, maybe it's a bird. Magic was excited. Jordan was excited. Kobe, LeBron. All of them guys was excited. All of them guys got rings.
0: Right. Well, and Barkley could create for other people and things like that. When did you, when did things turn for you in Barkley? Was that when you were playing or was it when the, during the lockout?
3: Probably in Phoenix when he tried to snipe me in my chin in the game. And he t- and he said he was just playing. And I said, don't you got some kids at home to play with. <laughs> <laughs> so he t- so what'd you do after he did that? That's when we got into it in Phoenix.
0: Oh, yeah. So yeah. I, after that, it'd it been popping like popcorn zone. Yeah, we I don't want to tell the same <laughs> stories we told on the last podcast. Right, but on the last right. podcast we we you told the whole yeah. story about the lockout. Yeah. Uh another thing that happened since the last podcast fr- from the last dance. Pippen and Pippin just went yeah, yeah. he just kind of lost it and yeah, gave crazy are. interviews and turned on Jordan all these different ways. So you think <laughs> the documentary dredged up all this Pip and Jordan stuff right. and now it seems like that can't go back in the bottle
3: yeah I think it's a little more and it wasn't about the book but the book you know made it come all the way out um you know they was playing golf together you know a few months before the last day it came out you know because Scotty went out and talked to Mike about some stuff and you know I talked to Scotty from time to time and he's, plus he did my cooking show Chopping Up with Oakley and yep. um uh, you know i th- I think he feel like they didn't present him more in the last dance. I think they did Dennis Robin more than Scotty and Steve Curry. but my thing to that is Curry did way more off the court than Scotty Dennis probably have two, but on the court, Scotty did a lot more in both of them, but Scotty felt like he was left out a little, and he felt like Jordan would have such reign if it wasn't for him and I asked Mike about, you know, Scotty and Magic. Who was which one? He said he in more rings with Scotty. Scotty can do more in Magic. Yeah. And, you know, he always praised Scotty. Always praised Scotty. And that was, you know, talked down about him, but I don't know what happened since the last dance, you know. <laughs> uh see like things just, you know, I don't I don't think he would, you know, like he probably say, okay, Scotty said the stuff about me. Okay. I'm not gonna send he's not gonna send it back in the press and all of that. Try to go back to Scotty. He could just keep doing what he's doing play golf, fish, and relax and watch, you know, smoke cigars.
0: Well, it's tough because I love Scotty as a player. I mean, he, I thought Scottie he was, was great. He was like a LeBron James, but not as off as man, LeBron. Yeah. I thought he was the most underrated guy from your generation. And like, guy like Steve Kerr, who I, I really respect his opinion, and he said it was the best teammate he ever had. And that he Scottie, was always about team, team, team. How can I help who, the Michael team? Michael Scotty. He played here at Scotty. Like he playing Hurt, doing whatever it took to, uh, to just try to keep winning titles. And Scotty probably felt like that wasn't reflected enough in the documentary. And then it dredges up all this other stuff that was in his head anyway. And now all of a sudden you're saying crazy stuff. I think
3: what, what Hurt Scotty was some things he said would made other stuff to come out. Like when he wouldn't go back in the game, yep. when he wouldn't have surgery. And he pre-prolonged surgery during the summer to the season because they didn't pay him. Three things: the contract, not going back in the game, and not having hurt him in the last days. Because everybody got a chance to see, like, wow, Scotty, you can give it up on your team. But then he tried to come back. Well, Mike left the team for two years. I mean,
0: you know, so it's a lot. <laughs> by, of By the way, out that's there. that's true. You know, uh-huh. and, like that's true. Scott, like MJ left the team for twenty months. You know, and yeah. and I don't know the thing with Scotty. I've defended him before about, you know, Jordan leaves that next year, Scott is the guy.
2: Right. Everything
0: has to go through him. And he's like, he's the guy. He's the alpha. And then they don't give him the ball in that game. And he just right. kind of, he doesn't handle it well. He makes a mistake. Yeah. But I, I don't hold that against him. I also don't hold it against him that they took advantage of him with that contract for like seven years. And he well, finally snapped with that. He didn't want to play hurt. He was had a free well, agency coming, you know?
3: But Scotty should have realized Jerry Randolph. I mean, if he wouldn't get Michael redo Michael contract, he never was going to redo yours, right? <laughs> so he off Michael signed a seven year and Scotty signed a seven year deal. So after two or three years, after Michael contract numbers went up, same way with Scotty. But Jerry Randolph, like I said, everybody put a lot on Jerry Krause. At the end of the day, I would keep telling everybody Jerry Randolph was named on that check, not Jerry Krause. Maybe his first two names is first name the same, not the last name.
0: Well, and also Pippin's agents, <laughs> when they roll over, they make the they make this long extension and within a couple of years, all of a sudden that salary isn't like one of the hundred biggest salaries, you know. It's all this stuff that adds up. But I still thought I he's still one of my favorite players from that whole generation. A good I'm bummed I mean, that I'm bummed that he's like in a bad place about this. Like I really yeah. like the guy, you know, and I, I just yeah. kinda sucks. So you think they talk again or no?
3: No. No. Oh, this is a wrap. No, I think it's over. Oh man. It, it, yeah, I think it's over. Yeah. It was, you know, it wasn't great from the get go. You know, so it probably was 60, nine's down to five.
0: <laughs> so Jordan, his go to guys, you're still one of them. And yeah, then uh, who George,
3: else? George George, uh, Amar, Richard, um, do I? You don't. I mean, as you get old, your circle gets smaller. And you just yeah, try true. stay, you know, do what you do. You know, going on a lot of lot more trouble, couple's trips now, and you know, he just like I say fishing, playing golf, got his own golf course. And, hey, he like to play golf. He liked to fish. he Like to smoke cigars. So you get older, there's but so much you can do. Go to you know good dinner. Go out. He like you know he like to eat good food. So he like to go out and eat good food.
0: When you're watching that uh, that series again, and the Knicks parts are happening, because you don't go backwards, you don't really think about this stuff. What do you think it is? You're rewatching that stuff.
3: Oh, which which one? With the Bulls.
0: Yeah, the Bulls Knicks, like when they're doing the '92 '93 uh, sections.
3: I mean, I, my, <laughs> you know, Mike I talk a lot of trash, but my thing, I always tell him, um, he tell me I'm born at the wrong time. I said, you born at the right time because the commission liked you, and he. <laughs> The commission made everything. He, he, he said that you was going to be, uh, I mean, like, then take a rock of science and see that, hey, change the rules for you. He did this and that. I mean, he just, we could never get a, a call down the stretch. And they got all the calls down the stretch. So I just tell him, like, hey, it wasn't like y'all just blow it out every night. It went down to the last two minutes of the game. We just all executed like we did. We didn't have a guy like you, a lot of tech, hit big winning shots all the time. And you know, Patrick, you know, he wanted the ball, but he didn't make the shots.
0: Did you? Did you ever get an answer for why Orlando Blackman didn't play in the '94 finals? Because that was another weird thing from that era.
3: Uh, I was talking. I talked about that the other day. I think was Pat Riley had rules, and his wife came on the trip, and he found out. That's what I think. He he wouldn't play because he he, trying to teach him a lesson. But he was a veteran, though. I mean, but that's one thing about Pat Riley. He he holds grudges a little too, and. He's more of a control guy. He's a real controlling. So,
0: where do you stand with Riley these days?
3: I mean, I don't have no beef with him. I mean, we had one one issue in the locker room, you know. But it wasn't, you know, it was in the locker room. I mean, he's it was his opinion, my opinion. And I and I said, um, you know, I said I'm a grown man. You, I mean, I can take what you're telling me all the time. Why can't you take what I'm saying? To you one time, yeah. So no, nah, it's no beef. Uh, it's it like when LeBron was going where he was going to go the next year. And I told him that he was going to come to Miami. He said, uh-huh. oh, yeah. I said, yeah. So I go to Miami. He gave me tickets to the game. You
0: know, I called Tim. They was like, yeah, get was oh, okay. Do you remember when LeBron was about to leave Miami? They lost in the finals. And Riley gave to that. Cleveland when Riley gave that press conference before LeBron had decided and he basically like called out LeBron without calling him out. And he's like, this stuff's hard. You don't win every year. It's hard to be a great team that sustains it stuff like that. And I actually think it backfired and it made LeBron want to leave even more. But I always thought, I always thought that was an interesting Riley moment when he's kind of challenging LeBron to be like, Hey man, if you want to be in a great team, this is hard. You don't win every year. LeBron left anyway. Well,
3: Pat, he, he he will, he do, he do go at you in a way that when he talks to you. And, you know, if you sensitive, it can hit you, you know, and, and touch you in a different way. Mm. LeBron probably feel like, hey, man, I came out, I won the championship. I mean, because mm. he's real controlling. So maybe they had some, some, you know, flicking some other issues, or you know, like controlling around the team or this and that. LeBron probably said, I'm out of here. I can go back to Cleveland. I can, you know, be the front guy, call the shots. He came back I and was, won Cleveland championship. I
0: always thought LeBron just looked at it as, I want to win titles. Wade's breaking down. We only have me, Wade, and Bosh. We don't have enough salary cap to get anybody else. The league's getting right. better. And I could go to Cleveland and get Kyrie, they have number one pick. They have Thompson, Waiters. Right. Right. and salary cap space. And... I have a yeah. better chance to win there. I never believed any of the other stuff. I think it well, was a business was, decision by him.
3: It was he was a better GM than Pat Riley was a president. But <laughs> if, <laughs> if you look at LA team, and you can think about the bars wave and LeBron it's the same way with AD Westbrook and LeBron. Hmm. So yeah. you saying LeBron might leave in another year because they they not going that team they they got now. I mean I hate to say it, you know they not. I never doubted LeBron, but if they can come back and win, it, it'd be a miracle because it just, it, it, it just, it's nothing going. You a veteran team, you got four, what four Hall of Famers, and you win every other night in a league that ain't really a great league. Yeah,
0: well, that's how I feel about Brady right now. I think he's in a similar place with LeBron. I I think Brady knows he can't win another Super Bowl in Tampa, right? They you don't had, think so? I don't. I think the oh. the way the cap, you know, last year was their best chance, right? They had all the weapons. He comes in. They, they're just, they're loaded. This year, they have some injuries. They were able to convince some guys to come back for one year. Now those guys are going to leave. The cap is, they're going to start to pay a price. Everyone else in the league is getting better. Right. And I think he's either going to retire or go to San Francisco. Because I, I think there's a chance if San Francisco doesn't win the title. I could see him going there for a year because he's yeah. from there. But I think he sees stuff the same way as LeBron. Like he's titles only now. Right. LeBron's right. not interested in, you know, going forty-four and thirty-eight and losing right. in round one. Like he's about titles. Well, I think that uh,
3: that Tampa, they was in. The, it was you go down twenty-four points. I mean, just for them to come back and tie it out, that was amazing. But my thing, if they wouldn't have been down twenty-four points, I think Tampa would have won that game. I mean, the Rams start getting... You know, well, you the know. Rams
0: are dying to give it away. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, like, here's the ball. Keep taking
3: it. Yeah, so start playing safe. And that's one thing I like about Belichick. If they have 30, he want to win by 40. Don't play into the other team's hand. You know, yeah. three and out, three and out. Then they get momentum. So I think Brady... I think if Brady would get the ball in overtime, if he went to overtime, they would have won. So, I mean, he, he right there. So it's a call, a play that, you know... The interception right before halftime didn't hurt him, but he didn't have a good half. He had a bad first half.
0: He's old. He's yeah, gonna but be 40, He's going to be forty-five next year. Like yeah, he, at some point, the team has to lift him, like they did last year. That's that's why I, I could see him going to like the Niners, where it's like yeah, this team's really a, good. They're built to win. My my
3: my thing on the weekend with Aaron Rodgers just completely sold. It was a sellout. He was a sellout. It's no way. You at home, you can't score but 10 points. I mean, I mean, I know that it just, you and Rodgers, you probably had 21 points at the worst. You know? And like I said, 49ers played, they played bad. They played bad with 10 to 13, like no way that Aaron Rodgers will be in a close game later and lose.
0: I Two think that was the only time in the playoffs he's ever scored less than 20 points. Yeah, now it was a bad he had 10,
3: it was bad. And he, cause he he been talking all year. Last training camp season, he got a talk show every Tuesday.
0: So he been running his mouth. He didn't bag it up. Well, also, he made, from the get-go, made it from last April, made everybody think, like, this team's not good enough for me, which is a bad way to start the season. The team was really good. It's a great team. What do you want? I mean, ain't too many teams that are better than that team. I mean... if Oak was tight end on that team, I think Oak would have had a conversation with Rogers at some point. <laughs> he probably would have pulled them aside, I'm guessing, yeah. in training camp.
3: Yeah, he was. I mean, like, when you talk like that, you got to back it up. You don't, you won the league last year. The management, they, you know, you, you break it. Why, why are you worried about who they break in? They, they bring in a quarterback on potential, and you, and Rodgers, just won MVP, and you worry about that. That's, I don't like that. But he, well, we should have got another position, this and that. But like, and Rod, this guy barely can play. He might not be ready to play next year. You worry about him. That's that's was like that's real petty to me. For a guy at his level, worry about a quarterback they bring in. You want to leave anyway, so what difference do it make?
0: Right. Well, he's definitely <laughs> going to leave now. That's for sure. You think? I don't think he's going nowhere. I don't. I think he's going to. I think he's going to go to Denver or Las Vegas. I think they're going to trade him because mm. one of the things is everyone in Wisconsin's tired of him. Oh, that's yes. the other so he, thing. He, yeah, all those people. He, you you know that because you're from yeah, Ohio. He cried. Like,
3: he cried too much. Yeah. You went last three years. He won thirteen games, thirteen and three, and you can't
0: advance. You and Rogers, you got to look at yourself. You can't do that in the Midwest. I think they I think they're out. I think Wisconsin's oh, yeah. ready to move on. Plus, they have Giannis, who's like the best ambassador. He wants to be there. Yeah. He's winning titles. He's coming through for them. So. Your book that's coming out February first. Who'd you? Anybody gonna be pissed off? Anybody gonna be uh, angry?
3: No, they, they probably hope I don't write another one. But it ain't it ain't. It's you know just lay back on the beach, you know, relax. But nice. It's, it's a good book, easy reading, good book. Just basically, if you engage with me, it's just like a conversation back to the person that, who I'm talking about. There's nothing over the talk because it's
0: all true. Right. So, so what was your process? You just you got together with Frank. And you just start telling stories and he's writing everything down and it turns into a book.
3: We talked about, I mean, I talked about how I wanted some stuff in the book and from my grandparents up to like growing up in Cleveland, through college and NBA and some things I went through with
0: other guys, off the court, on the court, and we got it done. February 1st comes out. I never, I didn't tell you this the last time you were on. I told you the story about how my son's middle name is Oakley, right? Did I tell you that? Mm -hmm. No. All right, so here's the story. So my son's born. We're going to name him Ben. My last name's Simmons, obviously. Right. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, we got to give him a, an O for a middle name. And then his initials would be BOS, like Boston. Mm-hmm. You know, like the Boston abbreviation. So we got to find right. the O. So I go on a website. I'm looking at all the O's. I'm looking at like Oliver, Oscar, Omar. There weren't that many. And then I see Oakley. And I'm <laughs> like... Oakley, Benjamin Oakley Simmons, Oakley, Oakley, toughest okay. NBA player of the nineties. Like this, is, <laughs> this kid will be uh, tough. We we put Oakley in the name. So <laughs> I talked my wife into it. Who's like, she just gave him birth. She barely knows where she is. I'm like, what about yeah. Oakley? She's like, Ugh. so he's Oakley and guess what? Tough kid. I feel that's like the good, middle man. name has helped him. He's kind of, he's kind of a bad well, yeah, so,
3: at That's good though. Some kids. He didn't know you didn't know how he's paying, you know, paying out. But that's good though. He got some toughness.
0: He's strong. It's like thick, thick like you, like just like just a strong, tough kid. So I, I feel okay. like you're li- you're living on out here in L.A. in the yeah, eighth
3: grade good. in the Thank eighth you.
0: grade sports. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, he's,
3: he's right there. Wait, but it's
0: It made sense right away. I was like Oakley. Yeah, what could go okay. wrong with Oakley? Oakley was a tough dude, so it all worked out. All right, what's the name of your book?
3: The Last Enforcer.
0: The, la- that's, that's the last that's that's true, I think you are the last enforcer uh, who would who would else yeah, that, who else, I guess you Donis yeah. Haslem, maybe, but
3: Donna you're, uh, you're Ha yeah,
2: uh
0: he
3: was he's a good guy, he worked hard, he, you know, at least he him the guy he still gets the guy's face, yeah he'll come in he'll put him in the game and here and there he'll get him somebody somebody's face, and he'll go sit back down but but Riley kept him around for the last five years. that's good. I'm glad he took care of this guy all right, so he he lives on a little
0: bit. I look forward to reading the book. It was great to see you. How's the cooking going? Any Thank new you.
3: dishes? Cook, cook. Well, I was just on Chopping Up uh, on Fox Oak, Chopping Up with Oakley, a lot of new dishes. Um, next, It's going to be a cookbook, then another book. So I'm going to try to sneak the cookbook in between this and my next book. A cookbook? How many recipes? Uh, probably going to be 30. Not a real oh. big one, 30. Right. A thirty a cookbook with a conversation with the chaplain.
0: All right, I look forward to it. Uh, I'm glad you finally did this. Good to see you again.
3: Thank you. Good to see you, too. All
0: right. Thanks to Big Waz. Thanks to Charles Oakley. Thanks to Kyle Creighton for producing. Thanks to Dylan Berkey and Steve Cerruti, as always. I'll be back on this feed on Thursday with Million Dollar Picks and a whole lot more. See you then.